Good morning, friends. I didn't want to interrupt our opportunity to like talk while we're a small group. It's kind of nice to take that moment uh, for those of the folks that are online. Uh, we're, like Hannah said, we're a small but mighty crew here this morning on Daylight Savings Time. Um, so everyone that's watching later this week, I hope you enjoyed your hour, extra hour of sleep. Um, <laughs> you didn't get the coffee, but that's all right. Uh, well, friends, thank you again for coming, and welcome to Bethany Community Church. Um, I think those of you in the room know that my name is Megan Cowell. I get to serve as part of our spiritual formation uh, here at Bethany West Seattle. And uh, Pastor Prentice and his wife Maria are away this week, kind of celebrating little baby moon before the little one comes, and celebrating his birthday, as we saw last week. So we'll have them back again uh, next Sunday. So. Uh, you guys get me today, and I, I get the privilege of continuing our six-week sermon uh, sermon series on the Lord's Prayer. And so this week, it's all about, um, this week and every week, it's all about, like, Lord, teach us to pray. How do we do this? Um, what does it look like to pray and to communicate with you uh, throughout our lives? And so we're anchored in the Lord's Prayer in Matthew 6, and we're going to be continuing line by line through the ways that Jesus instructed us to pray. And this week, we're at verse 10, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So I want to begin by reading the full text, Matthew 6, um, and we're going to go from 6 to 13. And as I do this, I want to invite you to engage in one of two ways. Today's going to have a lot of options for engagement, and I hope, I hope you guys are ready. I hope you get your sleeves rolled up. Um, option one is to just close your eyes and let the words that I read just wash over you. So that's option one. Option two, if you have your Bible or the Bible app, um, or if you want to grab the pew Bible that's right in front of you, if you want to grab that, you can read along. And again, that's going to be Matthew 6, uh, 6 through 13. <clears throat> and so if you've been around the church for a bit, the Lord's Prayer can often be one of those things that like, we can just rattle off. Like you know it. Even I think people that don't come to church or aren't Christian, they could probably finish our sentences when we start rattling off these pieces of the Lord's Prayer. In fact, even Google knew how to finish my sentence as I was typing out this section of the Lord's Prayer. So it's like, it's kind of in our culture in, a different, in different ways. And so as you listen to the words and as you hear them from my voice or as you read along, try to let those surrounding thoughts, like, let, let them go. Whatever comes up after church, whatever chores you have to do, a project for work that you're trying to squeeze in before the weekend's over, like, just, just let all of those things go. And as you, as you get ready, uh, you can close your eyes if you want. You can keep them open. But take a deep breath and prepare to listen with new ears. Listen for anything new that might be elicited through this time of hearing something so incredibly familiar. And so it reads, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. I'm going to read it one more time in the message version because it, it jolts us a little bit to hear it in a different way. Our Father in heaven, reveal who you are. Set the world right. Do what's best as above below. Keep us alive with three square meals. Keep us forgiven with you and forgiving others. Keep us safe from ourselves and from the devil. You're in charge. You can do anything you want. 
You are ablaze in beauty. Yes, yes, yes. Jesus, before we go any further, uh, we recognize that those words are a prayer in themselves. Um, but we want to just commit this time over to you. Commit not just our Sunday, but our entire week and our entire lives, our entire beings. Uh, show us how to love. Um, would you take the words that are shared today and wipe away anything that isn't something of you and allow, allow us to plant some seeds and to just work on the things in our lives that would... Uh, Allow us to draw closer and closer to you and to know who you are and how to follow in your will. And it's in your name that we pray. Amen. So quick roadmap where we're headed. I always like to know, like, what's coming? I just made you do something slightly different. What's coming next? So what we've got coming up is we're going to be talking about God's kingdom, God's will, and how that is done. And we're going to talk about God's earth. And there's this tension between God's kingdom and the here and the now and the kingdom to come. And if the kingdom is here and now, are we seeing it? Are we experiencing it? Where does it exist? And God's activity is, is so outside of the normal of what we think like a normal kingdom should look like, like the way that he designed the kingdom. Um, and even a king, like Jesus is not the king that the Jewish people were expecting. And it's not the, the king that we probably expect or desire now, like, or even in other kings that we think about, like King Charles, we, there's a lot in the news about him right now. Like it, Jesus and King Charles, probably not a whole lot alike, right? But the Jewish people in, this, in the time that Jesus came, they were anticipating a ruler that would come and take over their whole political system and reestablish like what King David and the history of the kings had. And today, I think we still desire a Christian rule over our political system, like in whatever view, left or right, that you view that to look like. There's this desire for that to happen. And we kind of bemoan this idea of Christianity's decline in our culture. And we think of that as a, as a bad thing. But just a reminder that God's kingdom is an upside-down kingdom. If you hang out with me at all, you'll probably hear me talk about the Bible Project. It's, a, it's an awesome, crowdfunded nonprofit out of Portland that makes these like, free videos and publishes like, all these different resources for following the Bible. Um, we don't watch a lot of TV in my house, and so maybe it's kind of like screen time for kids. I'm just like, oh, I get to watch this little video, and like, I'm like totally sucked into it. Uh, but it, it also makes the Bible just super digestible and easy to read and understand and gives you that, like, depth um, without overwhelming you. And the Bible Project has a, a two-series on this whole idea of an upside-down kingdom. They take the book of Luke and they walk through it. We're kind of anchored in Matthew, uh, but they take the book of Luke and they walk you through it and help you understand, like, what does God's upside-down kingdom look like here and now? And they share, uh, Luke's gospel shows us that this new world order is all about his record of Jesus' teachings about this upside-down kingdom. In it, Jesus says that the poor are blessed because they have the kingdom of God. And they are, then that those that weep will laugh one day. And in this new world order, disciples are called to love their enemies, to be strangely generous to people that they don't even like, to show mercy and to forgive. And this radical, radical way of life is not just something that Jesus talked about, like he led this way, and he loved his enemies, and he showed all of this through this ultimate sacrifice of giving his life. And I can't help but think that perhaps this removal from the government structure is actually a helpful way for us to kind of get back to who Christ is really about, or what Christ is really about, and who he is. It allows the kingdom to return to the places where God resides that we might be missing God's presence in, because we're expecting it to come from over here. And so we keep looking for it to solve 
like our, our, we keep looking for our Christianity, for our, our king to solve our kingdom problem, our political problem. But Jesus, from the beginning of his ministry, told us that it was going to look different. He was going to be a king like no other. And so aside from the political, what other kingdoms exist in your life? Is it the kingdom of work? Is it the kingdom of your home? Is it the kingdom of church? Like, what little kingdoms do we have running around? And, and who reigns in these spaces? Like, who is the true ruler of those spaces? And again, there's this tension between God's kingdom here and now, that we can believe is here and now, and the kingdom to come. And if his kingdom is here, in part, where are we seeing it? How do we see it? And historically, people have kind of landed on both sides of this. They've thought that, that all that matters is the here and now. Like, there's nothing afterwards. Live life to the fullest. Like, this is where we're at. Everything we touch, the physical, that's the most important. Live hard. There's nothing else coming after this. And so to, to reiterate, there's different parts of the kingdom, and some have arrived now. And it's, but it's not the full picture. Some will arrive until Jesus returns and brings us into this new era of his rule and reign. And so again, let's look at the, the flip side of it too. There's those that have thought that the present doesn't matter, that all that, comes is, all that matters is getting your ticket punched to heaven because all that, all that we really are are these souls that are going to go on. So there's this weird dichotomy of like it's either one or the other. But we're kind of talking about it as being both. Swing, 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 back and forth. But how does it, how does it fit to live in that tension between these things? An author and professor, uh, Isa McCauley, uh, in his Lent devotional that our group is reading throughout the, the month, or the month, not the month, it's 40 days, but, you know, throughout the season of Lent, uh, he writes about this tension in the light of a necessity to not ignore that there's injustice that's happening. Like, the kingdom is not here in certain ways, right? And so when we find our places, ourselves in places of privilege and blessing, like, what are we to do with that? How do we, how do we make sure we're not just like, oh, we're all going to heaven so we don't have to worry about it, right? And so he writes in his book... Um, it says, while we do not fool ourselves into believing we can establish God's kingdom on earth before his second coming, we contend for justice as a way of bearing witness to the fact that our present experience is not the kingdom. Complacency with our personal sins is a danger, but so is accepting the sinfulness of the world as an unchangeable reality. Let me say that again. Complacency with our personal sins is a danger, but so is accepting the sinfulness of the world as an unchangeable reality. Yes, the full work of transformation awaits the coming of Jesus, but there is still work to do here and now. There is still ways for the kingdom to be reflected here and now. And so if you haven't um, taken a look, uh, there's this book by Issa McCauley. Uh, you can find it at your local bookstore, Amazon. Uh, they also, we're also, again, doing this study throughout the, book, or throughout the season of Lent, and we're going to be gathering again on Wednesday. It's just our second week, if you all want to join in and learn more about this. Um, and so as we, as we think about this, like there's so many things that need to be addressed right now, like feeding the poor, healing the sick, helping the blind to see, like help, helping people way through the world. And again, there's this sense of like, it's not truly complete yet, is it, God? Like what do we do in this tension? And, and, and yet I want to just kind of point for us too that Looking at the here and now, we catch these little glimpses. And Paul writes in his letter to the Corinthians about, like, we kind of see in a mirror. Like, it's not, it's not like being face-to-face, but we can kind of see it. We catch it, catch it in the mirror. But if you've ever looked in a mirror, even like a foggy one, that after your husband's used the shower and used a ball of hot water and, like, you can't see anything. Like, even in that mirror, you can kind of get this glimpse of, like, there's an image and, 
and you know that something exists and it's real and it's true. But where do we get that glimpse of God's reign on earth right now? Like, where do we get to see glimpses of God's reign on earth like it is in heaven? When was the last time that you were reminded and just caught that, caught that glimpse? Was it in the smile of a child? Was it in perhaps the sunrise over the sound, over the mountains? Was it in the squeeze of a hand from like a fading elderly person whose like mind is going but their body is still strong? Like are these are there these moments where you're like the like the line is thin, like I can I can catch this, I see this. And like a seed, like it can be this kingdom can be received and it can produce abundance or it can be interrupted and fail to flourish. Like we'll learn about that in a little bit. Or like the light of the lamp, it can be displayed so everyone can receive it or it can be hidden away. Jesus' family are those that receive the words of God and respond in action to bless the world, to care about the areas of hurt and pain and suffering. So what's your honest response to this kingdom of God? Like, what would your response be? And in this tension that lies here, that we're not, like, we're within this tension, is another point to just remind us that, like, we're not able to make it happen. Like, we don't make the kingdom come. Like, we're able to receive it, and we're able to display it like that lamp, Right? But, and so we can participate, but this isn't about, like, our might, like, our effort. Like, we're not going to work our way through to making the kingdom come. Like, participate in it, not make it happen. And Jesus describes this in so many parables and teaching stories that paint us these beautiful photo pictures for people to understand. And there's, there's a plethora of parables in Matthew's gospel. And in this gospel, the author places the Lord's Prayer, like, smack dab in the center uh, in, in, of his public teaching about, and if you've heard of the Beatitudes, it's like a part of the Beatitudes and, and so it's, it's kind of this pinnacle, like this is the piece that we want to focus on. And this is significant because in Jesus' teaching, very clear that he cares about the kingdom of God. So many of these parables refer, like, refer back to the kingdom of God. And it's through these parables that we get to help to learn to understand, like, what does the kingdom mean? So later we'll dig into, and you'll catch that pun later, uh, Matthew 13 and the parable of the sower. So we kind of alluded to it earlier. We're coming, coming around to it later. Uh, and this kingdom that we're to receive and participate in and anticipate a future fulfillment in. Like, we're going to participate in this ourselves. So to receive and participate in the kingdom, we have to understand God's will, which is only impossible if we're actively listening. Let me say that one more time. To receive and participate in the kingdom, we have to understand God's will, which is only possible if we're actively listening, like really paying attention. And listening is, I just want to unpack that word for a second. It's more than just letting the sound waves hit your ears, like in one ear, out the other. Like we also know that when you experience someone in a conversation that is not really listening, like you kind of know, like their body, like posture gives it away. Like maybe they're like distracted, their phone's like over here and they're texting. Um, just this last weekend, uh, I was up at Camp Casey with our Stephen Minister team training a class of new Stephen Ministers to walk alongside folks um, that are like in a, in a hard spot in places of transition. And one of the modules that they focus on is this thing called the art of listening. So they, there's a whole two and a half hours that we're talking about, like the, the art that is listening, right? The, the way in which we can listen that truly lets people like communicate with one another. So there's all sorts of tips and tricks about like what you do, you don't do this, like don't have your phone out, like take a clearing before you walk into this space and let your mind free. Like, there's so many different ways that we can be, like, truly listening. 
And so is it possible that God is communicating to us and we're missing it? Like we are the ones that are distracted, like focused on something else or off to the next thing or too busy making dinner, which we all have to eat, right? So like you're too busy with all of these things that we miss like, oh, here, God's communicating something. What is he saying or what are they saying? And so my biggest lament in the shift from Christian culture, like being part of our national culture, is actually this, this loss of a Sabbath day of rest. Like a whole day dedicated to spend like communicating with God and being with God, experiencing God. And I think that through that, our ability to listen to God is a muscle that's atrophied. Like it's, it's not used very often. I, I know that I'm too busy even to recognize the kingdom of God when it's right smack dab in front of me. And I say this even as I spent my attempted Sabbath this last week cleaning my house. Like, squeezing in at least a couple hours of work here, helping my husband with our kitchen remodel, and like, which we're doing ourselves, and so it never feels like it's ever going to end. But I think there's light at the end of the tunnel, but like, it's coming. So I'm just saying this, that like, even as we attempt it, like, it's so easy to be distracted. It's so easy to like, still have to take care of these things. But we've got to keep going back and trying to rebuild our muscles. So again, to receive and participate in this kingdom of God, like we have to be able to understand God's will, which is only possible if we're listening actively. So let's look more at how we can continue uh, to be attuned to what God's will is and to be able to listen. In the Old Testament book of Deuteronomy, Moses, who just uh, just led the Israelites out of Israel, he's come, or sorry, out of Egypt towards the land that they're to inherit. He spent 40 years in the wilderness with them, and then he's getting ready to to pass away, and he doesn't get to enter into the next phase, right? So he has this great speech. That's the book of Deuteronomy. Didn't really know that until fairly recently. Like, that's the whole point. This is his final speech of, like, here's what we're supposed to do. And he gives some words that are very specific to helping people understand and listen to God and to be able to then, from there, like, respond and respond. And he says in his uh, writing in Deuteronomy 6, uh, verses 4 through 5, Hear, O Israel, like hear, O Israel, listen, the Lord is our God, the Lord is one. And as for you, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. And this word hear is translated from a Hebrew root called Shema. And, and this is what became known as the Shema prayer for, for the Israelites, for the Jewish community throughout the centuries. They practiced the Shema twice a day. In the morning and at night, they recited this verse. It was taught to children, and everybody knew it as this reminder of, like, of how to love God and how to interact and be in the world. Listen, O Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord is one. And as for you, you shall love the Lord, your God, with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. And this Shema word, it, it meant more than just listen. It meant more than just those, those waves. It meant like, listen and Listen and respond. Listen and insert action here that indicates that we heard. Like, in order for the word Shema to work, you had to have both sides of it. Like, it wasn't just the input, it was the response. So we think about Shema as like a communication cycle, like from A to B, B to A. So how we're living into the will of God is determined by our actual actions, our belief on display. And not because works are necessary. Like, I want to make sure you hear that. Like, it's not that we have to work in order to gain approval or to reach some sort of a quota, but it just means that there's simply, it's more, another way to think of it would be that there's simply no way to hear it and not be changed by it and require some sort of a response after, after we hear it and receive this. 
So this was so important to Moses that he goes on to share from the Lord that these words that I'm commanding you today must always be on your minds. Recite them to your children. Talk about them when you're sitting around your house. Talk about them when you're out and about, when you're lying down and when you're getting up. Tie them on your hand as a sign. They should be on your forehead as a symbol. Write them on your house's door frame and on your city gates. And they did this for centuries. Daily reminder. And so now in 2023, our faith is so removed from this daily hearing, this daily reminder to listen. Like, we don't have a Shema prayer. Well, maybe you do. I don't want to assume that you don't have one. You might have it. But I know I don't. I know that I don't wake up every morning like being like, oh, yeah, I got to listen. But what if our daily our rhythm or our practice reminded us to be listening to God? To remember, our God is the Lord. Like, only the Lord. And we can love God with all of our heart with all of our being, with all of our strength. It might be easier to, in our today's context, I think, to, to think of this verse if we replace the word listen in English with watch. Like, what if we what if think, think about our different senses and the ones that we rely on? Like, we rely on our eyesight so much. So if we thought of this as, watch, O Israel, the Lord is our God. In, this today, in today's day and age, we think about if we've seen it, if we've experienced it through our sight, like it must be. Like, I saw that that happened. Like, the kids downstairs right now are, are learning about a story of Jesus, the story of Jesus when he heals the blind man through putting mud, creating mud, and wiping it on his, onto his eyes. And so, like, when we think about it, uh, how hard it is to not see, like, we know that Jesus brings sight to us, that we, that we might know God and be known by God. And so I think if we think about it this way, like, watch, oh Israel, watch, oh Bethany Community Church, like, the Lord is our God. And so seeing and hearing, there's, there's so much more to experience than the, just those two senses. And even with those two main senses, like, we're still so, so dulled by the next shiny thing, by the, the, the daily things that have to happen. And so just to pause for a second... Uh, talking about all of this reminds me of a time that my dad uh, had an acupuncture. So stay with me. It's a real thing. Um, so this 120-pound this unclipped Doberman, uh, I call my dad's dog because Zeus was like the child he never had, the son he never had. There was us three girls, and then there was Zeus. And Zeus was an ambassador to the neighborhood. Like he was, he was out there helping make conversations happen in people's lives like that wouldn't ever talk to each other, like neighbors talking to neighbors, um, all in the small like part of South Tacoma where my parents live, and so it was all about like, like, it was all about this dog that you could see like led to people hearing about Jesus and knowing each other's lives. And I'll, I'll leave the rest of those stories to Bob, so you can talk to him about those more if you would like to. Um, and kind of going back to this story with Zeus, uh, he unfortunately was diagnosed with bone cancer, and it was it kind of came on really fast uh, as they tend to do for animals and. We were trying to find opportunities to help him um, just not be in so much pain. The vet let us know, like, he's been, he's pretty stoic. Like, he's not going to let you know he's in pain. But you could kind of see that he was. Um, and my sister was getting married that weekend. So it was like, we can't, we can't say goodbye to Zeus yet. Like, we have to go do this wedding and then come back. And so we were taking, trying to find a way so that the dog could come, travel with us all the way up to the San Juans for the weekend. And so we're looking up stuff. Uh, my dad's already up there at the, the wedding venue. And Scott and I are like okay, like, what can we do to help bring some pain, uh, pain relief? And so my best friend from college is a vet, and she's like, have you guys tried acupuncture? And I was like, nope, I didn't know you could do that on animals. And she's like, check out this person, go see them. 
Oddly enough, it wasn't very expensive, so if you have any pets in pain, would recommend. Um, and so we took, we took Zeus to the acupuncture at the vet, and he's laying down, like my husband had to carry, again, 120 pounds, had to carry him in and set him down on the ground. And the person comes in and they do their, like put in the pins and all that, and Zeus pops up, I kid you not, stands up, starts running around, like his tail's wagging, he's happy, he's moving, like the pain is gone. And we're just like, I didn't think this was actually gonna do anything. Like, wow, it's working. And that's like the closest thing to a healing miracle that like, like when we think about Jesus healing these people that just get up and go, like, I'm like, wow, Zeus like got up. Like he's moving. Like this is amazing. Like, and so now here I am telling you all about acupuncture and how you should probably check it out. Like if you have any sort of pain that you need. Um, and so like, it's because I've seen with my own eyes like this different way of being, this different way that we can be impacted that like I now want to make sure other people can experience that or have exposure to that kind of like healing moment. Like it changed my actions and my approach. And so the Apostle Paul, he has some similar direction for us, like a way for us to help understand like how we can better shema or listen to receive insight um, and understanding. And he writes in his book to the Romans in chapter 12, do not conform to the pattern of this world but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good and perfect will. Good, pleasing, and perfect will. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that we can see, like, your kingdom come, your will be done. Let your mind be transformed by the patterns of God's kingdom, not this world with its tiny and large ruling powers that come at us, but with the patterns that God has placed for what his kingdom is meant to be like. Listen, Shema, for what God is communicating to you and about what God's calling you to action about. Ask God to give you that attunement and understanding. God wants to give us these gifts. And this might come through deeply listening to others. This might come through your prayer moments. It might come through a song on your commute, on a walk. But it's really hard to communicate with anyone, let alone God, if we're rushing from one thing to the next or for constantly contain, like consuming content, I know that's a thing for me. Music, books, like as long as there's an input, then we're okay. And I also, I don't want us to assume here, make the error of assuming that this is all about just us as an individual. Like it's happening in a vacuum. Like it's just, just about listening as a single person. Like very rarely does God give us information about calling or steps to take without also doing so through connection with other people. So to ask this way, is there a common theme in your small group that keeps coming up? Is there something within your family that talks about, that gets at your giftings, your skills, or, or your life season? Like, could there be something in that area that leads you more to what God's will being done might look like? And again, God's already speaking. Like, he's already giving. We just have to receive and respond. Like, we just have to receive and respond to what God is communicating. And Jesus gave us a great story to look at and told you we'd come back to it uh, in Matthew 13. Um, but he gave us this parable that is great because it helps to point, like, how sometimes we miss the kingdom in all these different ways. And so this is the parable of the sower in Matthew 13, and I'm going to just read, uh, read to you a couple of things, and then I'm going to paraphrase, and then we're going to read together the last bit of it. So... Uh, I'm getting older, so being able to see this is getting harder. Um, but 
Matthew 13, chapter 13, verses 3 through 10. And he says, Then he told them many things in the parable, saying, A farmer went out to sow his seed. As he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path, and the birds came and they ate it up. Some fell on the rocky places where it did not have much soil. It sprang up quickly, but, but that was because the, the dirt was shallow. And so when the sun came up, the plants were scorched and they withered because they had no roots. Other seed fell among thorns, which grew up and choked the plants. Still other seed fell on good soil, where it produced a crop, a hundred, sixty, or thirty times what was sown. He who has ears, let him hear. And the disciples came to him and asked, like, why do you speak to people in these parables? Like, what, why, why do you speak to them not clearly? And again, I'm going to paraphrase this next little bit. Like, Jesus, he like, explains, like, about what it means to, to see and to give people the opportunity to, to see through these stories rather than if you, he were to tell it explicitly and they still just don't get it because they're not listening. Like, this is a way to get at people. Like, story is such a powerful way for people to understand things. And, and at the same time in this section, he talks about how he's fulfilling a prophecy from Isaiah. So he's weaving, again, the Old Testament to the New Testament, like showing how this is the continuation, this is the fulfillment, not something just brand new that we didn't know was coming. Like, this is the kingdom coming. And so as we, as we come to this next section, we're going to show on the screen here um, verses 18 through 23. And it says here, listen to what the parable of the sower means. And I love that Jesus pauses and they ask him, like, what does this mean? Like, help us. Like, we don't get it. We've been with you all this time and we still don't get it. And Jesus takes the time to say, like, this is what this parable means. When anyone hears the message about the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what was sown in his heart. This is the seed sown along the path. The one who received the seed that fell on rocky places is the man who hears the word and at once receives it with joy. But since he has no roots, he lasts only a short time. When trouble or persecution comes because of the word, he quickly falls away. And the one who received the seed that fell among the thorns is the man who hears the word, but the worries of life and the deceitfulness of wealth, they choke it out, making it unfruitful. But when the one who received that seed that fell on good soil, he is the man who hears the word and understands it. He produces a crop yielding 160 or 30 times what was sown. So as we listen again to what does that parable mean and we think about it, I ask you to think about, like, how's your soil? What's the soil that the seed is coming and landing in? What's that condition of the soil to receive the message about God's kingdom? Is it ready for spring? Is it ready for those seeds, the things that God is communicating and hoping to plant and grow within you? How is your awareness, your muscles, uh, to hear the word that God is dropping into that soil of your life? I'm going to take a moment to pause the imagery of the soil because I want to use it for something else. Um, (laughs) But if we're thinking about it, again, the soil of our hearts and our minds and our wills, I want to pull us back from where we've been so far. And this last part that we're remaining, I want us to look at, like, how... How is this word soil or this word um, earth like what or kingdom like what what are we looking at when we talk about these words? So we've talked about God's kingdom, we've talked about God's will and how it's done, and now God's earth. And I found it super fascinating studying the Lord's prayer, like the text of that Matthew six ten line, um, 
And that this, when it says on earth as it is in heaven, the Greek word translated in English is like literal ground or soil, like dirt. And so without going to a youth group here, uh, I apologize in advance for my plant analogies, but they're coming, so it's springtime. Uh, and I want us to slow down and really think about this, what this means when we pray. Like, God, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth, like on earth as it is in heaven. Like, God cares about this physical space, and we should too. In the spring months that uh, are going to follow, follow Easter, we're going to be entering in as a church across all locations into a series about like creation and the care of creation and that call. Um, it's called to care for it versus dominate over it. And so, yes, God loves us as image bearers, his people, like the people that he, he's created in such a special way. Like we're the crown jewel to the creation narrative. And God cares about this physical place that God created. Like when we think about the art of listening, we think about the art of creating, like there's artwork that has happened like in our midst. And because God created this, like we too should be thinking about what it means for the kingdom of God to bring redemption to our planet and to what God's will means in the soil of our lives, physical soil included. So from our concrete enclosed spaces that we operate in most, in most of our daily lives living in the city, like how can we shema and respond to God's will here when it comes to our earth? Like we're not an agra- agrarian, agrarian uh, system like, or society. Like we're not out there working in it on a day-to-day basis. And so like how do we get to know this? Like because... We can't love what we don't know, right? We can't love, we can't advocate, we can't care for something if we don't know it. And I won't ask for a, a share of hands because we're a small group here, but I'm cur- I'd be curious to know when the last time each of you just put your hands into the soil. I know Taylor did it probably yesterday, but like, when was the last time your hands were like in the dirt? And I get the outdoor activities are not everybody's cup of tea. Uh, I have two sisters. One who like, I can't remember the last time she got dirty for like anything. And then the other one who's like, I hate the smell of trees. I'm just like, how are we related? This makes no sense. Um, but there's something about soil that I think can be fascinating, even if that's not really your cup of tea. Um, but even just by observing it, it can be our first step to like knowing and understanding this planet Earth. But again, we're not called to dominate over, but we're cared to, called to care for it. And so soil, the Earth, it's not just for recreational gardening or food production. Like it's key to our water sources here in the Pacific Northwest with our snowpack as it melts and it trickles down through our soil. Like we think about even just like where we are here in the Duwamish watershed and how everything that goes down into the ground comes out into the sea. Like there's a connection to everything that we participate in. Like when you turn on the faucet to get a cup of water, like think about like the soil, the earth that that had to travel through to get into your cup. And so for example, again, like, like, for all of these examples, like, I'm not a biblical scholar. I won't be the one to stand up here and give you, like, the full exegesis of something. But my goal, if anything, in supporting your spiritual formation is to introduce you and, to, and your children, like, to practices. Like, practices that support your growth in drawing near to Christ. And practices that point us towards caring for each other and for the world. And so I hope that there can be an awareness through practice, an awareness of the soil around you, by pausing and looking at it. Both the soil of the earth and the soil of the heart. Like we've talked about both of those things today. So how can we be envisioning practices that mean both of those? And so I'm gonna invite the band back up, give them time to kind of get settled in. And in a moment, I'm gonna offer an invitation to you as well. 
And so as you're able, uh, I would invite you, or comfortable even, um, to come up in a similar way that we participate in communion. But in this case, it's going to be an invitation to experience God's good earth. And for those of you that are watching online or choose to remain seated, um, we're going to leave an image of soil up on the screen for you to be able to reflect on. But if you're at home or you're listening to this later, like, I encourage you to go do what we're about to do outside, like by yourself, like in, at a park. Uh, I'll bet you can find dirt or soil uh, if you look just hard enough. Um, and so also another option, if you come up, it'll be up, put up on the tables here in just a moment. Um, you have the option to just look at soil in a jar or look at soil in a, in a bowl. So that's option one is to sit and watch it on the screen. Option two is to look at it in a container. As you look at it, you can also like smell it, like lift it up to your like nose and like smell the dirt. If that's your comfort level today, that's totally good. That is okay. And if you're feeling really open to something new, I invite you to help participate in a community action of helping create seeds that are going to go into a garden. Like encounter God's earth within the context of community through planting seeds together. And I'm going to ask that you can use your bare hands, and with that, you'll end up picking up a seed. And so I'll just, uh, I'm going to explain this as I do it, and I hope the cameras don't get mad at me. Um, Ta-da! So, in here are little boxes full of dirt, right? Nice and messy dirt. And what I invite you to do is to take, take a seed and plant it in here and just drop it in, make a little hole. And then with your bare hands, like, I didn't give you any, any tools, like, just with your bare hands, like, get dirty. Like, feel it a little bit. And then put it over the top. Like, just for once, like, stick your hands in the dirt and feel, like, what it is that God created. Like, we're, we're made from this stuff, right? Like, from dust we came, to dust we will return. Like, there's, we're connected to this, whether we can feel it in our kind of concrete, concrete spaces or not. Um, so as you get ready to, to participate in this thing that's not really a, a normal Sunday kind of activity, right? This is a little bit different. Uh, my hope is that you would engage in this practice, practice as a way to experience God's kingdom come, God's will be done on earth as it is in heaven through touching God's earth itself. And there's options to wash your hands in the lobby afterwards, but I mean, we just put dust on our foreheads. I think we'd be okay with a little bit on our hands too. Um, and so as our, the band continues to facilitate this time, um, just take a minute to, to reflect, to kind of examine your own thoughts and hearts and communicate with God. Have that conversation to ask your questions or to just sit, to sit in God's presence. And so when you feel ready, feel forward to, to come forward and experience this example of God's love to us through God's good earth that we've been called to care for.